Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Would you stand this morning? How are you, church? How are you doing today? Great to be with you this morning. We're going to start today with first things first. We're going to ask God to focus us this morning. We're going to ask the Lord to not just show up, but to do something in us. We're not just going to show up to get, we're going to show up to give. To give of ourselves, to give worship to Him. We're going to trust that He's doing something, but we're going to make sure that we're doing our part in offering to Him worship and praise that He desires. You know, it's, you ever get a gift at your birthday or Christmas and somebody didn't put any thought into it? They got you something that you're not really interested in. And you're kind of like, thanks. It's pushed to the side. Collects dust. You can't throw it away. You feel bad. Or maybe some of you are cold and heartless and it goes straight in the trash whenever they leave. But when someone gives you a gift that you love, that they thought about, you know that they took time, that there was intentionality behind it, that there was effort that there is a reach for something. And when we think about worship, worship is not something that we should just randomly pull out of our back pocket every now and then. Oh, yeah, give God some worship. Worship is something that's intentional. It's what we're created to do. It's what eternity will hold for us. Uh, It's what God desires. It's what not just blesses God, but it changes us. It changes atmospheres. Uh, information is one thing, revelation is another. So we can get information all day and still not be changed, but the Bible says that in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. There's joy that comes only in the presence of God that I can't get from Google, that I can't get from hanging out with people, that I can't get just from fellowship. There's the presence of God that makes things tangible enough for me to be changed in His presence where the fullness, not a half a tank, the fullness of His joy is operating in And friends, there's no other way to say it, but these times demand that we be filled with the joy of the Lord. We say the joy of the Lord is my strength, but the lack of strength means there's a lack of joy in the Lord, and a lack of joy in the Lord is often the reality that we are not filling up to have His fullness determine how the day's going to go, how the season's going to go, how the situation's going to go. Have you ever said, I can't wait till we get through this season? I can't wait till we get through this situation. I can't wait till I, I can't wait, I can't wait. But what if God does make you wait? He did make you wait. He does make you wait. And we can long for things that we're dreaming up on our own that maybe God hasn't birthed. And we have to remember that circumstances and situations cannot be the determining factor in whether or not our joy is going to be full. Life is too costly. Life is too precious. 
And what people and our family and friends and coworkers and people need to be getting from us is not the after effects of what's happening in the world, but the time that I've spent with God enough to be able to pour out back into them. The Bible says to be ready in season and out of season. That means whether circumstances are, circumstances are favorable or unfavorable, I'm supposed to be ready to bring the reality of the hope that's in me to people. Now to get there means I have to have some intentionality, make some choices. And this season, that not just our church, but many churches and many people in the world are going through what people are going through. It's shaking people down to the foundation of what their hope and their trust is actually in. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, there's unpredictability. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yes, there's careers being blown out of the water and people losing jobs and chaos and people fighting, okay? But, but it's shaking and shaking and shaking and shaking and shaking people down to the foundation of what do they really believe. The Lord is my strength in my song. Is he? What song are you singing? The Lord is my strength. Really? How, how do you feel in this moment when you get up to face the day? Well, we're finding out. We're finding out together. The world is finding out. The church is finding out. Because there's a fullness that can only come from God that I can't get from Google. I can't get from a, a promotion. I can't get from a raise. I can't get from a paycheck. I can't get from a, a new career option. I can't get from a new neighborhood, a newer house, a new car, another Amazon package. All that helps a little bit. But it doesn't solve. It doesn't solve everything. God says, those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. And the truth of the situation right now is that there's a song that we can sing that offers God gratitude and praise and trust in the midst of what we can't see. That's where we are. That's where we are as a people. Can we pray this morning? Lord, we thank you for your words of life. We thank you for your presence in this place. We choose this morning to set our hearts, our affections, our sights on you. God, we know that the world around us is shaking. But God, I pray that in the shaking, we would remain. Our faith would remain. Our hope would remain. Our trust would remain. Lord, today do in us what you prepared for us to receive. No one's here by accident. Lord, you purposed and planned that the word would go forth today and that we'd be built up, we'd be blessed. So we thank you in the precious, mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, why don't you do me a favor? Just take a few seconds. Shake somebody's hand. Fist bump somebody. Tell them hello. Tell them God is going to do something good today.
hearts. Amen. So Psalm 46.10 tells us to be still and know that he's God. Be still and know that he's God. Um, what does stillness in life feel like to us? Uh, first of all, do we ever get it? <laughs> Kids and dogs and jobs and phones going off and text messages coming in and alerts and updates and television on and dog barking and neighbor dropping something off and car needs gas, needs an oil change 2,000 miles ago, and there's always something keeping us from being still and actually sitting in that stillness. So for many of us, stillness, uh, if we're not careful, feels like an attack on productivity. You ever notice how you, 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 you get still in the moment you get still, you remember five things that you're supposed to do, or five things that you're supposed to be doing? Is that just me or is that you too? Okay, it's you too, right? We, we, we feel it's an, it's an attack on this productive rhythm we're supposed to have. I should be doing something. I need to do that. Oh, I forgot to do that. Dang, the kids need that. Oh, man, I have a time limit on this. And so stillness, if we're not careful, becomes secondary to us in, in the pursuit of productivity. And everything becomes so urgent. But what's truly the important thing? The truly important thing for us as God's people is being in that place of stillness to be able to know him. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Let it be the, the priority, the primary thing that we're seeking. Not just part of our life, but, but let this be the lens that we see through. The lens of the kingdom of God. Uh, now, now, to just pause there for a second, uh, for those of us who may think that, that when we hear the word, that we received everything, the reality is Jesus said that when people hear about the kingdom of God. Remember, he gave the, the parable of the sower. The sower came to sow. He deposited seeds into the ground. And then he talked about these seeds that whatever pl is planted <clears throat> has the ability to be snatched up or taken away or life circumstances get rid of it. And so if we're not careful, we're here hearing things all the time, but it's not really getting into our spirit, into the core because we heard it, but then life took us away. You know, there's a really good word. Then a text message went off in the, in the middle of the service, and we lost the thought. We lost what that, that, that word, that seed wanted to take root and produce something. But again, productivity. Um, stillness, again, feels like an attack on productivity. And staying and waiting uh, often feels foreign. And that's what I'm talking about today. Staying and waiting. I'm in a series called Back to Basics. Last week, we talked about wholehearted devotion. This morning, I'm talking about staying and waiting. Everybody say staying and waiting. Uh, staying and waiting are two words we don't often like because um, they cause us inconvenience. <laughs> we don't like to wait in traffic. We don't like to stay in line for food. Uh, we don't like to wait for a process to order something. Uh, but in the kingdom of God, staying and waiting on God is how God executes all of his plans, all of his purpose, all throughout life and all through the kingdom. There is not a place in scripture where we're going to find uh, where God is just completely fast forwarding everything according to people's needs and wants and desires. Now, now we should take note of that because even when it meant Jesus coming, it says when the appointed time came, God brought forth his son, Jesus, into the earth. Now, for us, we would have thought, well, G God, why didn't you just bring Jesus in the beginning? 
Because our process is from A to Z, that's how we get from here to there. But God's A to Z is not our A to Z. And God's timing for when he starts things is, is different than when we start things. And when God brings things in, it's different than when we bring things in. Uh, his ways are not our ways. Now, we hear that, but, but we really have to apply that to our own life because staying and waiting is part of the essence of the kingdom of God. Staying in places God has called us to stay. Waiting on God in times where he called us to wait. And if we don't get those rhythms into our life of, of life not just being this rat race and this being this, this uh, next urge to accomplish and to build, then we're operating according to the world, not according to the kingdom of God. Um, our strategy for being uncomfortable and uh, being inconvenienced is to just hit fast forward and get through it and get it done. Get around it, get over it, get beyond it, get past it. So that we just start to say things like that. Can't wait till we get out of this. Can't wait till we get out of this season. Oh, this process. Ah, oh, but I do like the curbside service. Gonna get an amen, right? I love that. But there's this element of staying and waiting that almost feels uncomfortable to us because it forces us into rhythms where we're not in control, where we don't call the shots, where we don't get to make the decisions, where the timeliness and the time factor is no longer in our hands, but in the hands of someone or something else in the process. And God is a God of order and strategy and structure. But even, and, and even in chaos and calamity, uh, God has a time factor. God tells people to stay. God tells people to wait. If you look all through the Old Testament with Haggai and Ezra and Nehemiah, God's building something even from ruins and from destruction and from brokenness. Stay with me on this. To look at calamity and chaos and destruction and ruins and to think God's not in it is to miss the God that we serve. Is to not know that the God that we serve brings things up from the ashes, brings things up from the ruins, brings things up from destruction, lifts things up and out of things that were broken. And so we can stay and wait on God in broken times, because all throughout history, through biblical history, we see God builds from ruins. God builds from brokenness. God builds from destruction. God can build in and through everything. But what we see affects our faith. If this is broken and destroyed and ruined, well, then where is God? Rather than this is broken and ruined and destroyed, but God is in this. And part of the language that we have to adopt as God's people is not just the language of faith for, for the sake of faith, to quote, sound positive, but to know that the, the character trait of our God is a builder. He builds from brokenness. He builds from ruins. He continually builds. He builds from seeds in the ground. He builds from deposits that he makes. But to see that, we have to learn how to stay and wait. I'm talking about staying and waiting. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says, on one occasion, Jesus was eating with them. He's talking about the disciples. And he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Jesus at this time had been crucified. He'd risen from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he came to meet with the disciples and he tells them what he had told them before, that there was a promise coming, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he says, don't leave Jerusalem 
but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. You've heard this. Okay, he's doing three things there. First of all, he's saying, don't leave Jerusalem. Let's think about Jerusalem at that time. It's chaos. Christians are being killed. There's an uprising. There's political chaos. There's religious chaos. People wanted to see Jesus crucified, and they wanted to see Christians gone from the earth. And Jesus is saying, stay in the hotbed of chaos where I planted you. Don't run from the danger. Don't run from the chaos. Stay. Now, for us, automatically, we would think, what? What are you talking about? It's dangerous here. There's chaos here. What do you mean? But this is what he's telling them. Stay and don't leave Jerusalem. But then he says, but don't just stay. I want you to wait for the gift that my father was, has promised. Well, who was the gift? What was the gift? It was the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus knew that what they were called to do was not enough. It took the Holy Spirit. Their gifts were not enough. Their talent was not enough. The fact that they'd been called was not enough. The fact that they'd spent years walking with Jesus was not enough. The fact that they'd been commissioned to do what Jesus had called them to do was not enough. They needed the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. So they had to stay in Jerusalem and then wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus referenced this. Now, do that and remember the things I've told you before. So what you've heard me speak about, stay, wait, and remember what I've told you before. That's the Lord's word to you this morning. To remember the things he's done before. To remember the things he's said before. To restabilize you in why he first blessed your life. Why he first called you. What he first planted in your life. To get your attention that way. Is different than just being awakened on any random day. You ever go through a season where you remember how you started? You remember when your hair wasn't gray. You remember when you had hair. You remember how the clothes used to fit. You remember how things used to be. You remember the energy you have to have. You remember where the career started. You remember where your education was. You remember where your dreams were. You remember where your train of thought was. You remember where your passion was. And then life and busyness and productivity and time and things move forward. And here Jesus had taken them through a few years of chaos and miracles and teaching. And still, even his example walking with them was not enough. He says, I want you to stay here, wait for the gift, and remember the things I've told you before. There's a strategy in staying and waiting. And it begins with remembering what God has done. Remember what God said. See, to receive what God had promised, they had to wait. That was the bottom line. They had to draw upon the things that he'd said to them. What are the things that God's spoken to you about your life, about himself, about his purpose? What are the things that he said? To receive what God had promised, it meant they had to stay and not stray. They had to stay where they were. All throughout Scripture, we're told, Old Testament, New Testament, we see God talking about staying and waiting, waiting upon the Lord. David waited, and, and God heard his cry. David waited for God. He said, I wait all day long to meet with God. David was a worshiper and a warrior. Jesus was a worshiper and a warrior. We can't choose one because we're more comfortable with it. Worshippers love to worship, but you've got to learn how to war, even when you're a worshiper you got a war for your own faith. you got a war for your own mind. 
you got a war for your destiny. And if you're a warrior by nature, you have that confidence in you. You love the thought of war. Like, I'm ready for a fight. Anybody? Right? Somebody looks at you wrong at Starbucks. You're ready for a fight. He was just looking for the creamer on the table, but you thought he was looking funky at you. You're like, you got a problem? What are you looking at? Don't act holy. I know how some of you are. And warriors have to learn how to be worshipers. Worshippers have to learn how to be warriors. David was both. Jesus was both. Jesus taught his own disciples how to pray, how to come into the presence of God, how to just get stuff done. We just need to get stuff done. No, we've got to get in the presence of God. We just need to accomplish what God put us on this earth for. No, we need to stay in his presence all throughout the process. Are you with me? To receive what God had promised, it meant they had to stay and not stray. We stray from the things that God tells us. We stray. We stray from God's love. We stray from God's thoughts about us. Come on. But thoughts of, of low self-esteem and low self-worth should be eradicated when, we're, when we grip the truth of what God actually thinks about us. Yet we'll spend years worrying about what other people think about us. And what we think about ourselves, and these become tormenting, they become strongholds. But when we get into the presence of God, we find love, we find acceptance, we find grace, we find mercy. Even in our most sinful state, God says where sin abounds, grace abounds more. We judge ourselves according to our sin, but God judges us according to his own righteousness, his own son. And for us, we spend time, so much time thinking horrible about ourselves and, and the track that we're on. And, and God's trying to stabilize in us a stain power in us from strain from his thoughts, from strain what he thinks about us. Whenever you're moving stuff in a truck, you know, a piece of furniture, a mattress, somebody moves something. You know, you ever seen these mattresses on 1604, a piece of furniture? Yeah, of course you do. It's because somebody put it in the truck and they didn't tie it down so that it would stay. And what happened? The speed and the wind and the trajectory that they're going causes that item to stray from the bed and fly it on. And now we're dodging it on the highway. Are you with me? Some of you are so cheap, you go and pick those things up right off of the highway. Like, oh, that's a mattress. Yeah, ooh, yeah, but I'm telling you. Cody did it last week, man. He, and then he told Sarah he bought a brand new bed, but that's, that's not what happened. <laughs> Jesus said something so clear. He said, follow me. To follow someone is actually to go where they go. To follow Jesus, to stay with Jesus where he is in such a way that when you stay with him, you follow him wherever he takes you. You follow him where he goes. And then after saying, follow me, he says, remain in me and then abide in me. And if you want to get really real, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> Not apart from me, you can do something. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, if that isn't a reality check, I don't know what is. Lord, I want to do these great things with you, for you. Okay, stay with him and wait on him. Because the pressing factor in all of this is that apart from him, we don't actually do what we think we're doing. And so we stay and not stray. All kinds of things stray. Our mind strays from the thoughts God has about us. Our attitude strays. 
Our trust strays, our hope strays. Come on. Dogs stray, cows stray, horses stray. What do we stray from? We stray from truth, trust, and timing. This is how we as humans stray. We stray from God's truth, and then we find ourselves in error. We stray from trust in God, and we're trusting in circumstances. We're trusting in the outcome of circumstances. We trust in things going the way we thought they would, our expectations. That's probably the hardest one. Our expectations of how we think something's going to go and the reality of what it actually is. And so instead of putting our trust in God in the circumstances, we put our trust in the circumstances and not in God. So instead of seeing God in the ruins of something, we just see the ruins. And our trust is not in Him. See, everything in life is shakable but the kingdom of God. God said we are building a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There's a stain element that God wants to bring his people to, and it's life that tests us to bring us there. See, there's no neutral in the kingdom of God. There's only advancement. There's, there's no time machine where God's, God takes us back in time to where things were and how things were. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be great. Take me back to when my income was... <laughs> Could, could afford all the things that <laughs> don't take you back. Well, <laughs> you know what? Well, but you had less to pay for. You got more now. You told me last week that your wife is very expensive. You said that, remember? <laughs> I'll let you all sort that out. But nevertheless, he did not say that. I'm just saying that. <laughs> Pastor Alex did not say that. Just let's, let, for the record, you owe me lunch. Um, <laughs> to receive what God had promised, it meant that they had to wait intentionally. They had to wait intentionally, not wander aimlessly. And when things don't go the way we plan, and when things don't go according to our expectation, according to our course, and according to our liking, we stray. And what happens is we generally start to wander aimlessly. And we start to say phrases and things like this. Man, I just can't wait to get through this. Can't wait till this is over. I know pastors that are still saying that. I know Christians that are still saying that. But the reality is, what if this is not over? What if Whatever this is, and even if this is over, what's next? And have you learned to stay and wait in the midst of what will come out of you? The warrior aspect in you and the worshiper aspect in you. Make a good team. They teach you when to war. They teach you when to worship. To wait intentionally is, is something active. It's, it's, it's not passive. It's not sitting back and waiting for things to change. It's staying with Jesus in and through the confusion, in and through loss, in and through difficulty. Romans 12, 12. Maybe this will make more sense now when you read this, right? Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. To be constant in prayer, to be patient in, in things coming against you, pressing you down, opposition, challenges, unknown, difficulties. This is where God's saying, be patient. Now, that's not human patience. That, that's a spiritual deposit of the Holy Spirit, the ability to supernaturally endure and persevere through things. 
that otherwise would crush you, otherwise would destroy you. Now, God tells us to do these things, but he doesn't tell us to do these things by our own strength. He tells us to do these things by his power. But if we don't wait on him and stay with him enough to know his power, then we get caught up in human effort. We find ourselves at 2 in the morning trying to Google answers for something that won't come. Matthew chapter 26, verse 40. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and it says he's grieved to the point of death. His soul is depleted in this moment. He's about to be crucified. He knows the reality of what's happening, what is going to happen, and the spiritual weight, what's imminent, is weighing on him. And he says to the disciples, and he said to Peter, could you not wait for me one hour? He had said, wait here, stay here, pray. But they fell asleep. Imagine, put yourself in the shoes of Jesus. He's facing imminent death. He's fa facing torture. He's facing, in his human form and existence, the lowest, darkest, most difficult place he's ever been. And he's asking people to just be there with him in a moment for one hour. Have you ever asked people to just be there in the moment? And they couldn't be there even an hour. They couldn't stay with you. They couldn't be with you through it. They didn't comprehend. They couldn't register with the pain that you're going through. They couldn't register with what you were experiencing. Jesus experiences this and says, could you not wait with me one hour? Sometimes in seasons, it feels like this where we're going through things, and, and if we're not careful, life can begin to feel aimless. Life can begin to feel aimless, and we start to wander, and we start to, when we start to wander, we start to stray. See, Jesus talks about the sheep who stay together, but then there's the one who strays. It says, like sheep, we have all gone astray. Like straying should not be too far from our vocabulary. We, we do it on occasion in mind and thought and actions and attitude and humility and honor. We stray from honor. We stray from loyalty. We stray from commitments. We stray from devotion. We, we do this. So that's not abnormal. It's normal. It's moving from the strain into the stain and recognizing, okay, I strayed there. I'm off. My attitude was off. My generosity was off. My heart was off. My honor was off. My commitment was off. And bringing, us, bringing ourselves back to center. See, waiting on God is seeking, it's hoping, it's praying and trusting in Him. It's an active pursuit. It's not just saying, saying well, I don't know how God's going to do this. I'm just going to sit here and wait. No, it's an active seeking intentionally, staying in pursuit Staying in trust, staying in hope, staying in prayer. It's not passive. It's not just going on about your life. Like I know there's the whole God's got this aspect. That's great to say, but you better believe it. Because that's to stray and to wait on God, to, to truly know, not just say it, but to know God's got this. And it's repeatedly staying with God through the waiting. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says this. Those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not be faint. 
God wants to teach you how to get your strength, keep your strength, and renew your strength. And his ticket, his access to that is waiting on him, actively waiting on him. Waiting in his presence, waiting on his voice, waiting on his direction. God wants to teach you how to stay and wait in this season. For some of us, maybe the the main thing for us is to get moving, get going. Take a different turn. Overcome it. Get beyond it. Staying and waiting starts with a heart posture toward God. See, the heart has a posture. It's refreshed by God. It's restored by God. It also can resist God. It can resist and stray. And posturing our heart daily before God to worship Him, to trust Him, to seek Him, to love Him, to honor Him. To not try so hard to control everything. To get our minds around the reality that we don't control anything. That we're limited in what God gives us to steward. That our hands have a sowing and reaping element to them. But we don't know when the harvest is coming. We just know it's coming. We know the promise is coming. And this is what Jesus is telling them. The promise is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. The promise is coming. But you have to stay and wait. And you have to remember what I've said. You have to remember what I've told you. And this is what God's saying to us this morning. The promise is coming. The promise of the Holy Spirit has come, but God's promise for you is coming. But can you stay and wait for it? Can you get beyond what you see and posture your heart in a moment to receive from God? And then in that same moment, can you posture your heart to give to God? I have a four-year-old. She's always asking for a snack. She can have a snack. I was like, no, you've had 17 snacks today. The answer is no. And now she's got this thing where she likes. She'll go... (laughs) And then she'll do this, and the hair will swing in her face, and she'll just walk away. And I'll say, excuse me? Excuse me? Come here. Come here. And she's like, what? What? Said, what? What did you do with your foot right there? She's like, there was something on my foot. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Makes sense. There's going to be something on your bottom in just a second if you can. Are you with me? There was a posture. There was a heart. There was an attitude. There was something there. Mysteriously, by the sovereign, supernatural power of God, when confronted, it disappeared. Our heart has a posture like that. We're not getting our way. It's taking too long. This isn't what I planned. This is not what I sowed. I can't stand this season. This is not the way I thought it was going to be. This is not what I studied. This is not the career I'm in. I didn't think marriage was going to be like this. I didn't work this hard to be this broke. We're straying from trust. 
Restrain from God's timing. Restrain from truth about the moment. God wants to take that stomp and he wants to pull us back into a hard posture that trusts him. That trusts his timing. Trusts his words as truth. Trusts the season in the test. Someday you will stand before God. You will stand before God, the living God. say, I trusted you. I trusted you. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I kept the faith. Staying and waiting will get you to the place where you're equipped to endure, to persevere through anything and everything. Where God trust you with more and more importantly God can teach you how to stay and wait that you can learn not just to war but to worship would you stand with me this morning would you close your eyes for just a second because we're going to go into worship. But I want us to think about, come on, heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment. Let's think on what we just heard this morning, the seeds of what was planted. Staying and waiting. Staying and waiting. Staying and waiting. Scripture says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Though I walk through the valley. There's no doubt that to have a human existence and even to be spiritually tied to the living God, your salvation, it doesn't disqualify you from valleys. there's hope that you can have in the valley because God says in Psalm 23 that he is the good shepherd in the end of that psalm he says goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life it'll follow us all the days of our life God is letting something stay with you as you journey through life his goodness and his mercy is going to stay with you it's following you all the days of your life but he says though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil he doesn't say, though I camp out and stay for the rest of my life in the valley, I will accept all of this evil and this be my lot in life. No, he says, though as God's people, we walk through the valley, we will fear no evil. God is taking you through it, but he's not leaving you there. He's not abandoned you. he might be resisting you in this moment if your heart is towards things and not him what is the posture of your heart in this season is it a humble posture to God 
though I walk through the valley, knowing that you're walking through it, not staying in it. There's a faith factor in that statement. See, the rest of the verses surrounding that valley talk about God being the shepherd who restores, refreshes. God rebuilds from ruins. He restores places that aren't whole. He refreshes. Maybe in this season, what you've been doing is trying to run on an empty tank. The Bible tells us that there's fullness of joy found in the presence of God. In His presence is fullness of joy. But when you get used to running on empty, when you get used to running on human strength, when you get used to running on your own pressures and challenges and you don't refill and you don't refuel, you get used to running on empty. And eventually you run out of gas. This is why God says, follow me, stay with me. I want to renew your strength. Wait on the Lord. And those who wait on the Lord, they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will not grow weary. They will not faint. Staying and waiting is going to rebuild your strength in this season. But it's going to take you posturing your heart in a position of maybe where you first started. Maybe you lost it. Maybe it's where you started and you need to go back to where you started with God. That humble place, that grateful place, that place of total devotion. Remember when you told God, I'll go wherever you take me. I'll go wherever you send me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll live wherever you want me to live. I'll live how you want me to live. Remember, when, when you came to God in that manner, you came with a heart posture of, of humility, of trust. God, I trust you. That's where things started. And that's where we need to remain. As we sing right now, would you enter his presence with thankfulness for what he's done, for what he's brought you through? Could you think for a moment, not, not what you're walking through, not what you can't see, not what your questions are, but, but could you start how, how scripture tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving, to enter his courts with praise? Could you start with a heart posture that has a thankful, grateful heart to God for who he is, for what he's done? If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.